This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Today, we are continuing our way through the book of Acts. Acts is a story of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the church. And today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. Uh, and we're going to talk about hearing God's voice. So um, hearing God's voice is, is probably something that you would like. It's something I know I would like. When I hear God's voice, it gives me confidence that I'm doing the right thing, that I'm living with purpose, that I'm not wasting my time, my talent, my energy, my resources, and that I'm doing things that really matter. Uh, the challenge sometimes, depending on our background, is, is it can be um, just a, a little unnerving at times to know, was that actually God's voice that I heard, or was that just me already deciding what I wanted to do and then attributing it to the voice of God in my life? And so this morning, what we'll see is Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. It gives us a couple key practices and principles that are part of hearing God's voice. This isn't everything that's involved. It's just a a little snapshot of scripture that shows us in one particular community, this is how God spoke. And some of the things we see there continue to be how God speaks today. So it's important to understand a couple things as we jump in. One, the principles we will see do not guarantee that God is going to speak to you exactly when you want or how you want him to do it. Furthermore, they do not guarantee that God is going to say exactly what you have already planned for him to say. They are simply principles that when we practice them, we put ourselves in a position to more clearly, frequently, and accurately hear the voice of God. Maybe it's a flawed analogy, but maybe it'll help us understand this morning. I don't know if, if you've had this experience in your home, but in, in my house with my wife and kids, there is a common experience where I am sitting on the couch, and I'm watching a game. Uh, And as I'm watching that game, my wife or my kids will start to talk to me. What is up, everybody? I have learned, because we've been married a a while now, I have learned that when they talk to me, even in the midst of a game, I have to acknowledge them. And so I will acknowledge them, and we will carry on the conversation. But I I don't know if this has happened in your house. Sometimes I'm sitting there, and they're having a talk with me that starts in the living room, and I remain in the living room as they begin to walk throughout the house talking to me in the same volume as if they were still sitting next to me. Right? And so Angie, at times, she'll talk, and then she'll walk in the bedroom, and I can still kind of hear, and then she goes in the bathroom, and I can barely hear, and then before I know, it's like this muffled voice from the corner, you know, and, and, and then later, she will tell me, I told you that, and what she means is, while I was in the closet, right up against my clothes, perhaps even, I don't know, covering her face, she said it, but I never heard it, but because she said it, I'm now accountable for it, right? You, you understand how that works. And my kids do the same thing. They'll start and then they'll go upstairs. Or, and so I've adopted a practice that I've been told is childish, um, immature, and an unhealthy form of communication where I sit on the couch and if I can't hear exactly what's being said, I yell as loud as I can, I can't hear you. And sometimes I'll yell it like three times. Now, now again, I told you it's a flawed analogy because uh, what Angie has explained to me is if I will get up and walk to where she is, I can hear her again. And what I've explained to her is if you come to where I am, I can hear you again. And, and we live in this tension, right? Now, in your relationship with the Lord, sometimes we say, I want to hear God's voice 
but the posture we want to hear it in is me on the couch. I want to hear God's voice without having to do a single darn thing. I want to hear God's voice while I sit in convenience and comfort. I want to hear God's voice without exercising the slightest bit of energy or discipline. But our relationship with the Lord is very similar to our relationship with others of if we're serious about building a deep and endearing ongoing relationship, we have to make efforts to engage in communication with God. And what we're going to see this morning are some patterns that God has put in place and some gifts that God has given to us that enable us to hear his voice. But almost every single one of them will take a little bit of effort from us to get up off whatever our couch might be and to move into the spaces where God has said, if you're here, you will hear my voice. Now, we are not going to restrict God to that because we see in the scriptures God can speak to anyone, anytime. There there are scriptural examples of God using donkeys to speak to people. So he can do it, but most often God is going to speak clearly to us through the ways that he's revealed in the scriptures. And so Acts chapter 13 verses 1 through 3 gives us a few of those this morning. We'll read it and then we'll discuss some of those in, in a little bit of detail. It says, now in the church at Antioch, There were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So the the first thing we see in Acts chapter 13, verse 1, is if we want to hear God's voice, God speaks in the church. And so the, the whole context of this morning's scriptural example takes place in the in the the confines of the church. When we talk about the church, we're not necessarily talking about a a specific physical location like we're gathered in today, though it can include that. We're not necessarily requiring that it be a big, large corporate gathering as we have today, though it often includes that. But when we say God speaks in the church, what we mean is if you want to hear God's voice as a follower of Jesus, you have to plant yourself in the community he created you for. There is no biblical precedent for Christians who exist outside of the church. To be a Christian is to be part of the church. And to be part of the church is supposed to be to be a Christian. These two things are inseparable. The church is not primarily, first and foremost, an institution. The church is the gathered group of believers who individually have entered into a relationship with the Lord. But as you enter into that, you are always brought into community. Again, there's no biblical model of just me and Jesus and all the other Christians over there. It's always me and Jesus and me and you and you and me and all of us with Jesus. That's where God speaks. So if you want to hear God's voice, be an active part of the church. You have to plant yourself there. You have to be committed to it. Now, I understand that hearing a pastor tell you you should be an active part of the church 
uh, feels a little bit like having a gym owner tell you, now's a good time to start working out, right? Or a car salesman telling you, today's a great day to buy a car. Uh, but what, what I would, would say, though, is this idea of the church, it didn't originate with church leaders. It didn't originate with any denomination or fellowship. It did not originate with a pastor or a leader. But the church is a good idea because the church is God's idea. It's Jesus who establishes the church. It's God who says, when you say yes to Jesus, you become the sons and daughters of God. And so the church remains a good idea because the church is God's idea. And so if if you have a, a problem with that today, your problem is not with me. Your problem is not with church hurt you've experienced in other places. It's not with any of that. Your problem ultimately is with God's design for your life. Because when you say yes to Jesus, you are designed to enter into community with other believers. And it's not just for a season of your life. You don't just need the church when you're a kid or a teenager to give you a good foundation. You don't just need the church when you're first married to kind of help you battle through your your conflict and communication issues. You don't just need the church when you're broke or sick or sad or in need, but you were designed to take your place in the church in every season for every moment of your life. Scripturally, God's desire for you is that you would have been born into a family that exists in community with him, that you would have been dedicated to him as an infant in these types of communities, that you would have been raised up, that you would have married, you would have started your own family in the church, and that one day you would have been died, you would have been buried and rolled out of the church. This is God's plan. There's never the moment of like, I've graduated. I'm done and I've moved on and now I can just do it as it's convenient. But what we understand is is even though we get that idea of scripture, yes, the church is important, what we find ourselves up against is just the busyness of our own lives and the challenges of being part of the church. If God speaks in the church, I want to be in the church. But the the hard part of being in the church is I have to be in the church. And, And in the church, for some of you, the problem is that I'm here. Right? And, and in the church, for others, the problem is that you're here. That there's always people in the church. Right? And, and people are what cause problems in the church. You know, Jesus has never started a church fight. The Holy Spirit has never caused church division. Did, did you know that, that your loving Heavenly Father has never caused one believer to say something angry or mean or demeaning to another believer? These things are always the result of the people in the church, and yet if God designed me to be in the church and he designed you to be in the church, that means he designed we to be in the church. And we've got to figure it out. And so hurt can cause us to move away, but when we move away, we make it harder to hear God's voice. Sometimes busyness or just convenience can cause us to move away. I mean, we we have wonderful gifts of being able to stream services, participate in worship when we're out of town, all of these sorts of things. But we also continue to carry the obligation of not just worshiping together when it's convenient, but of prioritizing our place in community. And and especially for parents, it's something we always have to pay attention to because what we find in the scriptures— What we find in church history and what you see happening in the American church right now is that what one generation calls optional, the next generation will call unnecessary. And so so as a parent, and and Angie and I, we're right here with you. Our kids are 18, 16, and 14. 
And we, before they were born, made the decision of we are going to prioritize the church in the lives of our kids. And that was pretty easy when we didn't have kids. But the moment you have them, they start making it challenging for you to make them a part of the church. Right? First, they're babies, and they don't want to sleep, and they get sick, and they cry, and they fuss, and so you don't sleep. Right? And, and the last thing you want to do half the time, you get up, and you get them ready, and you're on your way to a Sunday morning or on your way to a home group, and they puke on you or they poop on themselves. Or it's just, it's just they're, they're, a disa- they're cute, but they're a disaster. Right? And so I see some of you that are pregnant. God bless you. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, you know, like just Jesus is with you. How? Yeah. Uh, and, and then they're toddlers, and, and it's a little better. And then they start school. And once they start school, then they start getting sick all over again. And, and then you've got this, this little window where, where you start playing some rec sports, or some of your kids are more musical and artistic, and they start taking lessons and joining concerts and doing plays and doing musicals. And, and suddenly, no matter what your kid is interested in, you discover that there's a whole line of people ready to take all of your time and all of your money to make them the best version of that that they could ever possibly be. And somehow, at 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, we all, in whatever interests our kids have, buy into this belief that they actually will be the best that's ever been. Right? Like, Mozart has nothing on my child. Michael Jordan has nothing on my child. They will be the most brilliant philosopher the world has ever seen. If only I will give all of my time, all of my attention, all my energy, and all of my devotion to them, and suddenly we don't have time to be in the church. We don't have time to take them to chapel youth. We don't have time to, for, to send them to kids camp. We don't have time to participate. We don't have time because we've got to go and we've got to serve. And if we don't pay and if we don't train, then we're going to be left behind. And what you find is parents who in their heart and their mind say, we prioritize the church, but in their time and their budget have put it at the very bottom of the pile. And when you raise children in a home where church is something you participate in when you have nothing better to do, what you will find is you are raising children who always have something better to do. And what you have said is going to be one of the most essential parts of their life they're going to grow up treating very flippantly as something to give and take and maybe if I like it and if I don't, we'll move on. And so if we're really serious, if you are serious about, I want children who hear God's voice, you have to be serious about putting, planting, and keeping your kids in the church. Now, now there's no guarantee that if your child is an active part of the church that they're going to love Jesus every single day for the rest of their life, right? But there is a pretty strong case for if you don't plant them in the church, they're not really going to want to have much to anything to do with Jesus. Right? In the same way, you can, you can teach them to love fruits and veggies. It doesn't mean they're going to love them all their life, but it's much more likely than if you feed them nerds and Skittles for breakfast every morning. And so as a parent, sometimes you just have that, 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 that thought of, I want to hear God's voice, so I'm going to be in the church. And I know with my kids, they need to hear God's voice because even though I live with 90% certainty, I always know what's best for them. I know there's that little 10% where, where I have no idea. And I know as they grow up, there's going to be a lot more where I have no idea. And I need them to hear God's voice. And if you want your children to be adults who hear God's voice in the church, you have to raise them as children and teenagers who are planted there with you as well. Because your actions will always speak louder to them than your words. And what we see in Acts chapter 13 is as believers are in the church, as believers are the church, God speaks. 
And he speaks through, through two initial ways. He speaks through prophecy and through teaching. It says, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and there were teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, and Saul. So the, the church in Antioch, we get this picture of a diverse church, people from all over the place with different backgrounds, a diverse group of leaders from all over the place from different backgrounds. And primarily, there are, are two things that are happening in the church at Antioch that are increasing the people's ability to hear God's voice. One is there's prophecy. They are embracing the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. Now, we'll see in just a moment that that prophetic word that they receive is to set apart Barnabas and Saul. But the, the context of the passage doesn't limit the gift of prophecy to this one declaration, but it says there were prophets. There were those who regularly exercised and operated in these gifts. And in the New Testament, the gift of prophecy is a gift that God gives to the church primarily for the encouragement of the church, for the exhortation of believers. It's the spontaneous, the contemporary working and moving of the Holy Spirit. But it's not just that that's happening. It says that there are also teachers. And what they're teaching, to be a teacher in the church, is not to teach political slogans. It's not to teach your own preferred methods of uh, this or of that. It's not cliches. It's not self-help. Teachers in the church teach from the scriptures. And so the church in Antioch was a church rooted in the word and rooted in the spirit. And that's what we want to be at Christian Chapel. We want to be a church rooted in the Word and a church that embraces the ongoing and, and contemporary work of the Spirit in our lives. Not just for adults, but we want to do that for our children. We want to do that for our teenagers, for our college students, for our young adults. If you go around on a Wednesday night, what you will find is environments where the work of the Spirit and the power of the Word are working hand in hand. Now, now it's going to look remarkably different. Because you're going to go upstairs and you're going to see there's some, some amazing Bible studies that are being taught upstairs to adults. And up there, it's, it's more of like a small group setting and people are there and there's a lot of notebooks and there's a lot of Bibles and there's some discussion. And, and then you go just across the hall and there's chapel youth and they're emphasizing the word and they're emphasizing the spirit. But suddenly the, the subs are thumping to the point that it vibrates your chest, right? It's louder and it's fun and there's games and there's words that you and I don't understand anymore because we are just not cool. And then you come down in the, the kids' space and you go over to the, like the stars room with the third and fourth and fifth grade girls. And again, it looks like scripture study and an embrace of the word. And this is what we imagine. And they've got some notebooks and they've got some Bibles and there are some soft voices and there's quiet laughter. And, and you go by the daisies room and it's these sweet little girls gathered around and singing songs. And then you go in the boys' rooms, <laughs> right? And in the boys' rooms, like you, all, the Holy Spirit has to be at work or nobody survives. <laughs> and in the boys' rooms, we're emphasizing the word, but it is in five-minute increments on a Sunday night. And we've occasionally had parents that are like, I don't know why the boys aren't sitting down with their pens and notebooks, and our invitation is always, you're welcome to come try. Like, good luck, but God made boys to wiggle. Who are we to tell them to stop? And that's just, this is what they do. But still, even in those environments, there's word and there's spirit. Over and over and over again. And so if you want to be in an environment where you hear God's voice, you need to be in the church because, again, that's where this takes place. These are not independent, autonomous teachers and prophets. These are people who are known by their local community, who are held accountable to their local community. 
And so, so the Facebook prophets that maybe some of us are familiar with, that's not at all what's happening here in Antioch. These aren't guys just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks about the upcoming election or the current state of the stock market. Right? These aren't guys trying to sell books or build a name. These are people that are known and that are accountable for the words they speak on behalf of the Holy Spirit. As we've worked our way through the book of Acts, one of my, my favorite scholars to refer back to has been Dr. Ajith Fernando. He, he describes the setting here. He says, if the church, the early church, was to be both responsible and created, it needed both teaching and prophecy. To hear God's voice with all the dynamic truth it carries, we need the Spirit to speak to us through the Scripture and through the Spirit. And so, so maybe to put it another way and help us understand, God continues to speak today through the anchors of the Scripture and the everyday inspiration of the Spirit. And this is where we want our lives to be centered. Thoroughly, completely, and totally rooted in the Word. And open and welcoming to the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. Because here, what you find in churches is the same thing you'll find in your individual life. If you reject the work of the Spirit and say, I'm just a Word-only kind of person, you will know all kinds of truth and it will be dry and dusty, and you will struggle to apply it, and no one else is really going to want to hear it. And if you sit on the other side of, I don't need the scripture, I just embrace the spirit and listen for what he's saying every day, you're just going to get weird. I mean, you just, you just are. And you're, people are going to see you coming at church, and they're going to avoid eye contact and walk the other way. Right? You're, you're just, we've seen it. We've seen it in individuals, we've seen it in churches, but when the word and the Spirit operate as God designs. They bring life, they bring hope, they bring the sense of God's word for today, but also anchored in the eternal truths of scriptures. And so, so the Spirit is speaking in Antioch because it's a place where the scriptures are welcomed, they're embraced, they're studied, they're submitted to, but also where they embrace the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, asking what is God saying through the scriptures to us in this moment? And the scriptures become the fountain for the work of the Spirit in this moment. And the scriptures also become the criteria by which we judge messages that we believe are from the Spirit in this moment. And so if you want to hear God's voice today, my encouragement to you is anchor yourself in the scripture and invite the Holy Spirit every single day. As you keep reading through Acts chapter 13, you see that God also speaks through worship and fasting. Now, I'll, I'll be honest, one of these is fun, and one of these is not. Uh, worship, that, so, that, so that word worship, it, it actually comes from a Greek word that could also be translated ministering. And so it says they were ministering together, and, and the picture is very much kind of what we're doing here today. They're singing together, they are praying together, they are glorifying and magnifying God together, they're submitting to the scriptures, they're learning from the scriptures, they're welcoming the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit. All of these things are encapsulated in that word worship. And so sometimes for us, we think worship is when we sing, and then that's the only time we do it. But, but scripturally, what we're understanding is this, this, this really big overarching theme of everything we do that directs our attention towards God when we're gathered together is worship. 
And so worship is essential to hearing God speak because worship is a place where you recenter your heart before the Lord, where you refocus your attention on him. You lift your eyes up to see him for who he is, to be reminded of what he's accomplished. You submit to the authority of scriptures. You welcome the work of the Holy Spirit. You lay your needs before others and you pick up the needs of others. And as we're worshiping the Lord together in these environments, we will hear God speak. Now again, this worship is in the church. Your personal and private moments of worship are good and necessary and powerful, and they are a place where the Spirit speaks clearly to you, but there is no replacement or supplement for God's people gathering together for worship. There is a unique experience of the Holy Spirit that we only find in the gathering of believers. Because when we gather together, God doesn't just speak to me about me, but sometimes he speaks to me about you and he speaks to you about me. And sometimes he comes with messages that I haven't even considered, things that I aren't even in my frame of reference, things that aren't even anywhere around in my life. But through others, he lifts my eyes up to a bigger, more full view of who he is. And so if you want to hear God speak, you have to engage in worship. Because when you engage in worship, not only are you lifting your eyes up to see him for who he is, but you're opening your ears to hear the things that he wants to say to you. Now, now, for some of us, that is the fun part, and, then it's, and, and I wish what it said, I really wish what it said was, while they were worshiping and feasting, the Holy Spirit said. <laughs> That's what I want. But it says, while they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. Now, now fasting is a, a scriptural practice where you, you give up food, you give up a physical thing for the pursuit of a spiritual need or the ability to hear God's voice. And so fasting, you find Jesus talking about fasting a little bit, and much of Jesus' talks about fasting is correction. Because fasting had kind of been, had been twisted by the religious people of his day into something that they did for the approval of others, or that they did thinking that somehow they could manipulate God to do what they wanted. But biblical fasting is, is not really about us getting God to do something. Biblical fasting is about us placing ourselves in a position to hear God's voice about what he wants us to do. So when we're sick, we don't fast to make God heal us. If we're sick, we fast to hear what God wants to say to us about our sickness. If you're unemployed, you don't fast so that God has to give you a new job because now he knows you're really serious. You fast to increase your focus, to hear God's voice about how he's going to bring his provision. And so the, the problem with fasting, though, is it's hard because you get hungry. Right? And, and I, don't, I know there's, how many of you have ever worked so hard you forgot to eat a meal? You got so wrapped up in it. I have no idea how you do that. <laughs> I've got some friends who do that. I'll talk to them. I'm like, I'm so busy. I forgot lunch and dinner. Like, I have forgot all kinds of things in my life. I forgot my own name at times, but I have never once forgot to eat lunch, dinner, breakfast, or have snacks in between, right? I've never once, I, I've never had a day where I thought, you know what I forgot? I forgot to eat. I don't, I don't operate that way. Some of you do. God bless you. Fasting hopefully comes a little easier to you. But for some of us, fasting has almost no appeal because we get hungry and we don't like to be hungry. 
And yet what we see in the scriptures is, again, the point of fasting. It's not to lose weight. It's not a New Year's cleanse. It's not to fit in the dress or the pants. The goal of biblical fasting is to increase your focus so you can hear God's voice. And you allow those temporary cries of hunger to point you back to the greater hunger in your life at that moment to hear God's voice and receive God's direction. And so, so again, it's, it's, it's part of what God has called us to do. So fasting, it's, it's not a legalistic experience, but it's a spiritual discipline that we embrace to put ourselves in a position to focus more passionately on the Lord and his plans in this moment and to cleanse and remove some additional distractions so we can hear his voice. At their core, worship and fasting heighten our awareness of God's presence. Right? That's why we worship. That's why we fast. Not to earn his favor, but to heighten our awareness that he's already there. And the thing is, in God's presence, you will hear God's voice. And so we, we see it happening over and over and over again. And then the, one of the, the next things we see in Acts chapter 13 is that God speaks to us and God speaks through us. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, it says, The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so what we, what we want to remember in Acts chapter 13 is God desires to speak to us. This is not supposed to be a rare occurrence. As a follower of Jesus, you're not designed to just have one or two memories of when God spoke to you in your life. You are created for an ongoing relationship with the Lord where he speaks to you in personal and powerful ways on a regular basis. As you take your place in the church, as you submit to the authority of Scripture, as you welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit, as you engage a lifestyle of worship, as you embrace the discipline of fasting, what you find is God speaks, and he speaks loudly and he speaks clearly. And often he speaks to you about you. Now, it's, it's most likely that Paul and Barnabas already had some inclination that their time of ministry in Antioch was coming to an end. And yet, because they are so thoroughly connected to this group of believers, God chooses to speak not just to Paul and Barnabas that it's time to go, but he also chooses to speak to the church of it's time to release them and send them out. And so what we're remembering this morning is when I say I want to hear God's voice, because I'm part of the church, I'm not saying I just want to hear God's voice for me and mine, but I'm saying I want to be open to hearing God's voice for anyone he puts around me. That the gifts of the Spirit operating in our life are never just for us and our family. They are always for the body of Christ. They're for the building up of the church, for the equipping of the saints, and for the encouragement of our brothers and sisters. And so sometimes you're going to say, Lord, will you speak to me? And then you might be surprised when what he speaks isn't even for you. It's for you to share with someone else. And in that space, you, you want to walk gently and humbly into it. And you just want to let him know, hey, this morning, I was praying. I felt like the Lord said this to me for you. And, and you're not coming in with a heavy hand of it. And if you don't do it, you just come in with grace 
with mercy and, and you submit that and you let them say, hey, compare that to the scriptures. Let the spirit bear witness with you. If that's from the Lord, that it be an encouragement to you. But, but many of you, you've had the experiences that I've, I've had in my life. Of You've been in a season of discerning. You've been trying to decide what the future holds. You've been trying to navigate a hurt or a crisis. And as you're praying and you're seeking God's voice, he has sent someone else to you to confirm the message that he's speaking. And so what we see in Antioch is this group of believers who say, okay, we're going to set them apart for the work for which the Lord has called them. And I want to encourage you today, each and every one of us, there are still works for which God has called us. There's not a person who's done. If you're following Jesus, he still has a purpose. He still has a plan. He still has significant moments of ministry for you. It may look different than what you've done before. It may not have the position or the title that you thought it would have. But God, as long as you're breathing, he has works prepared for you. And then the last thing we see in Acts chapter 13 is when God speaks, we obey. So God tells them, set apart Saul and, or Paul and Barnabas for me. They set them apart. It says they, they actually worship and fast even more. And then they lay their hands on them. They commission them and they launch them out. And so, so we learn two things at the end of this passage this morning. One, when God speaks, he doesn't give suggestions. He gives commands. And our job is not to debate or discuss. Our job is just to step out in obedience. The second thing we learn is, is not so much even about God speaking, but I think it's just worth our, our brief attention. Saul and Barnabas were so deeply connected to the church in Antioch that when God wanted to launch them out, he had to speak specifically to them and he had to speak specifically to the church to release them. And, and, and so we, we go back to our, our first point this morning, God speaks in the church. And my question to you would be, have you found a level of connection that is so deep and so meaningful? Is your life so thoroughly intertwined with other believers that if God were to launch you out this morning, it would be a gut-wrenching yes? Is it to the point where, where as the Lord's speaking to you, you would need him to confirm it from other believers around you? Do you know that kind of community? Have you experienced that depth of friendship that, that is, is rooted in the scriptures and held together by the spirit? And if so, I'd say that's awesome. And if not, I'd say keep pressing in until you do. Because that's what you were designed for. You weren't designed for an, an American consumeristic approach to the church. You weren't designed to just hang out for a little while until you get bored or you find a better option down the road. The, the local church has always been a place that's designed to be launched out of, not to just leave at our own whim. Right, the, the average American Christian, we give more thought to buying a new car than we do to changing one body of Christ to another body of Christ. And what we see in Acts is when God speaks, he has to speak this way because we're so thoroughly connected with each other. And when you live in that kind of community, when I embrace that kind of community, it's going to be a community where if we're not embracing the scriptures, we're going to feel confident to have that conversation. It's going to be a community where if the Holy Spirit isn't welcome, we can have some honest talks about how we can change that. It's going to be a community where we welcome gifts of prophecy, where we enjoy worshiping together, where we encourage one another in spiritual disciplines. And it's going to be a community that if God wants to call me out of it or God wants to call you out of it, he's going to have to do almost everything 
everything but write it on the wall because we have found life and we hear God's voice. This is what Acts promises us. This is what the Holy Spirit empowers. This is the life Jesus made possible. And maybe you're here this morning, you've never made that relationship with the Lord a priority. The first thing God always speaks to every one of us is an invitation to be a son and his daughter, an invitation to be forgiven and to walk in new life with him. So if you'll stand with me, I wanna pray with us this morning. The band's gonna come back, they're gonna lead us in a, a song. As they lead us this morning, if, if you've never said yes to Jesus, I wanna invite you to head out the back doors and to your left. Our prayer room's just a short walk across the lobby. We have some pastors and prayer team members who are waiting to pray with you. If you're in a, a moment today where you are desperately needing to hear God's voice, you need his provision, you need his healing, you need his direction, you need encouragement, whatever your need might be, before you leave today, stop by the prayer room and let somebody pray with you. And then the last encouragement I wanna give you is as we sing this last song, we're, we're singing to invite the Holy Spirit and his power and his presence. And as we do that, I, I wanna encourage you, if, if you're not in a moment where you know I have to hear God's voice here, this morning as we begin to sing, will you just begin to pray a simple prayer of, Holy Spirit, will you come? And if there's something you want me to share with someone else, maybe it's someone in the room and you're gonna go over and you're just gonna gently share that with them. Maybe it's a, a friend or family member and you're gonna make the phone call or send the text afterwards. Maybe it's somebody you're gonna catch later this evening, but begin to place yourself in a posture, not just as a recipient of God's voice, but as a channel, as a vessel to whom God speaks and you get the privilege of sharing that with others. Will you bow your heads with me? Jesus, we come today and we thank you that you are the God who speaks, that you have shown us how to hear your voice and that you will speak personally, powerfully, and transformationally to each one of us. So Holy Spirit, today we invite you to speak to us. If there's anyone in the room or online with us who's not yet surrendered their life to you, we pray that today you would speak an invitation into relationship and they would begin to respond to you. Lord, we pray for those needing your provision, your direction, your guidance and healing. Today, Lord, will you begin to speak those words and those works into their life? And Lord, we, we invite the Holy Spirit into this space. We say, if you wanna speak through us to someone else, we are open and we are available to being used by you in that way. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in our lives. You are welcome at Christian Chapel. We invite your personal and powerful ministry into these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.